I want to uh, give a wee forecast that the conclusion of our time, I'm going to be boldly inviting you to come forward to pray. I don't know how you feel, but I always like to know ahead rather than be surprised. And I just tell you ahead of time, we're going to invite you to boldly come as we're emphasizing prayer as one of our back to basics today. So have that in mind as we come to the conclusion. Our passage is Isaiah 62, 1 to 7, and we'll read that right away just now. It's one of my favorite passages. It's so potent, and we're only going to be able to scratch the end bit surface as it applies to our emphasis on prayer today. Read it with me on this version that's on the screen now. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain quiet. Until her righteousness goes forth like brightness, her salvation like a torch that is burning, the nations will see your righteousness and all kings your glory. You will be called by a new name. Then the mouth of the Lord will bestow, that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. You will be a crown of beauty in the Lord's hand, a royal headband in the hand of your God. No longer will they call you forsaken, nor to your land will it any longer be said desolate. But you will be called, my delight is in her, and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and to him your land will be married. As a young man marries a virgin, so your sons will marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. On your walls, Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen. All day and all night they will never keep silent. All day and all night, they will never keep silent. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest and give him no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. Amen. In my home growing up, we had a tradition every evening when the family was together around the evening meal, it would conclude and my father would open the Bible and lead us in a reading of scripture and a, a hymn. And then he would ask one of us to pray. And one time when my younger sister, Victoria, was seven years old, my father asked, Victoria, would you lead us in prayer? And this is what she said. Dear God, see God, dear God, we went to this wedding at the church yesterday, and they kissed right there in church. Is that okay? We had a good chuckle over that one. 
And why we invariably can see the humor at these childish views of God, yet beneath it all, I think we long for this same kind of childlike faith that actually believes God when we go to him in prayer and cannot help but to be honest. Is it okay, God, to kiss in church? Well, perhaps so if it's a bride and groom. <laughs> Our passage of scripture for this morning makes starkly plain that one of the foremost and foremost priorities of God's people should be prayer. This theme of prayer that we're giving attention to in these last few weeks in our Back to Basics series is really, I want to suggest, what this text in the Bible from the prophet Isaiah is all about. Would you read the text with me once more, but now just the last verses, verses 6 and 7, which we'll focus on today. On your walls, Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen. All day and all night they will never keep silent. These are strange watchmen. They're not quiet. They're not hiding away. They're boldly not keeping silent. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest and give him no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. Now, isn't it interesting that Isaiah refers to the prayer warriors in this passage as watchmen? You see that with me in verse 6? On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen. So I'd like to talk with us today about these watchmen on the walls. To begin with, it's important to understand that the term watchman is the Hebrew word shomrim, shomrim. And it is most often, almost always, indicative of a military vernacular. Watchmen who watch for the coming of an enemy. But if you read the text carefully, you would easily comprehend that these are not typical in that sense at all. Theirs is not the uh, tedious toil of keeping watch over a sleeping army nor is it the endless hours of peering out across hidden valleys and mountain peaks for signs of enemy movement or enemy advance or enemy infiltration. No, I would say these sort of watchmen would be miserable failures in any typical military venture. For do you see and understand how they are described and defined at the end of verse 6, these are those who call upon the Lord. Or some version translated, you who remind the Lord. Prayer can be an exercise in reminding God of what he has promised to do. And boldly, calling upon him to fulfill it. Those who remind 
the Lord. It is hugely interesting that this term shomrim is used here in relation to what is clearly invoking a mode of prayer. That is to call upon the Lord. Or as one wonderful Old Testament scholar, Brevard Childs, calls it the bold spirituality that approaches prayer as reminding the Lord or calling God himself to remember what he has said. That is bold spirituality, wouldn't you agree? Because it still carries the concept of the watchman <clears throat> who in this case watches out for God and watches out for people and brings the two together in prayer. It is in prayer, it is in the mode, the discipline, the exercise of prayer where watchmen call upon God and call the people together and bring the two together at the place of prayer. <clears throat> when we finish today, we're going to boldly, spiritual boldness, invite you to this front to bring God and you together to boldly say, I remind you, Lord, of what you have promised to make Jerusalem beautiful. Uh, this word shomrim uses a particular form of the Hebrew verb which stresses that it has in mind deliberate strategic, planned for, planned ahead activity associated with prayer. It is warfare strategy with prayer as the weapon. Not bombs, not nuclear power, not guns and rifles and mass killing. It is the best of the military power spiritually prayer. Just imagine it with me, with the approach of the enemy, these watchmen that Isaiah is writing about. The enemy approaches, what do they do? They bow their heads and call upon God in prayer. Rather than patrolling with weapon-enforced protection, these watchmen fall to their knees. In other words, these watchmen of whom Isaiah's writing are those who have a vision of a Jerusalem. In our case, a new Jerusalem, a new community of God to represent God in his ways throughout all the world. They are the watchmen committed to the power of prayer. Those who are skillful in, adept in, equipped for, accustomed to, and experienced with the weapon 
prayer. I am so thrilled with what God is doing in our partner church, the upper room. It's just amazing to see what happens week by week. And it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with a great team. It has nothing to do with wonderful worship, though we try our best. It's because we pray. Because at the conclusion of every gathering, there's a prayer chair where the purpose is to be the watchman. Hadi is our leader of watchmen who bring God and people together and they meet in prayer. And things happen when the watchmen do their work. Now, it's interesting to note as well just where these kind of watchmen are appointed and posted by God, isn't it? Or what does the text tell us there? Clear as it can be in verse 6. On your walls, Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen. The text tells us they are appointed to the walls. Throughout the Bible's narrative and the Song of Songs, we read of watchmen in the inner city. In Ezekiel, the prophet himself is called the watchman in terms of prophetic ministry. In Nehemiah, we find watchmen at the doors of the temple. But here in Isaiah, God specifically assigns them to the walls. And as good students of the Bible, we ask why. Well, in our world today, as even recent events have showed us, the erection of walls is almost solely associated with defensive postures. Walls to keep bad things and bad people away from us. Keep bad people out and good people like us in. Removed, separated, divided. I'm in, but you're out. Through the erection of a wall. So that even today, presidents, and kings build walls for the sake of isolation, for the sake of national interests, so to speak, for the sake of socially defining who is worthy and who is not, who is in, who is out. There is a wall, the southern border of the United States, for which $15 billion has been allocated. And the truth is, only 15 miles of it 
have been erected. And I, for one, say that's an answer to my prayer. I don't mean to be political, but no, I do. Just ridiculous. But the walls of a city during the lifetime of Isaiah around the 8th century B.C., before the time of Christ, the walls of a city are not by my opinion, but according to most, one of the most renowned Old Testament scholars in all current writing, Walter Brueggemann, tells us they were better known for three crucial characteristics that would define the entire city enclosed within them. First, beauty. Second, security. Third, influence. Beauty in that the homes built into the wall and the wall itself both were meant to demonstrate the healthy culture of the city and so were actually the most sought-after properties in any Semitic urban environment with interesting inner and outer architecture and hanging gardens and trees lining the tops of the walls and windows framed exquisitely and attracting the best natural light. Beauty. As I sang with you those worship songs, I was overcome with a sense of beauty. These beautiful people. Beauty matters to God, even in the walls of the city. Not to keep people away, but to attract them in. Security, as the wall was meant to beckon people with the assurance of safety, the prospect of a place of peace, of shalom, the promise of and provision of protection, an environment of relaxedness, that place where you can, as we say in English, we can take our shoes off and let our hair down. My Persian friends, that's an idiom of relaxed. You can take your shoes off here. You can let your hair down here. You can be yourself here. You can be comfortable here. Security. And lastly, influence. As the wall obviously also included the gates, the gates where all community matters including both judicial and political decisions were discussed and decided upon. The best of trade occurred. Visiting philosophers and teachers articulated their views and artists of every sort performed and displayed their items. And guess what? Foreigners were welcomed. Aliens, refugees, migrants, all that other places reject, this wall says, come. We influence you toward what is good and beautiful and secure. 
We want you to come in here and take your shoes off and let your hair down and be relaxed. We want you to find safety and peace and shalom. And this place will be beautiful. It's not at all about stay away. Don't bring your problems to us. Why isn't it incredible to think that this is in relation to the role of the watchman? That is in relation to the priority of prayer. Prayer that ensures beauty. Prayer that provides security. Prayer that determines influence. With that in mind, I want to invite up my friend Kame to give a little practical example in prayer over this. This is dear Kame. Thank you for coming, Kame. Oh, is that working? <laughs> Share mine. Just speak up loud. He's got this deep, resonant voice. I'm a bit shy here right now, but I'm so glad and so blessed to be here. Kama is a wonderful example of our partnership with the Upper Room Church coming out of our combined forge missionary intensive training that we did. And now out of it, Kama is launching something called City Helps. And Kama, where did this derive from? Where did it come from? Oh, thank you. Actually, it's come from our missional, uh, mission, mission training. And so, actually, I've been doing that in our church, like normally with our uh, new member when they arrive from Iran or the country like Syrian people or Afghanian people. And so, when they don't know how can uh, they use buses or Turn stuff here. I've been like talking to them like normally, but now we just decide to make it like formal, and uh, uh, I'm going to find a team. Now we're just two, and we're going to be more. And so you have one signed up with you. Yeah, I have one signed he's up. He's going to create a team. Yeah. Hopefully. What do we call this? Uh, City Hope. City Hope. As we decide, I. Yeah. So the whole idea is helping refugee people discover the possibility of a new beautiful life, offering them practical helps that provide sense of security, how to get around, how to understand how Glasgow goes, works. Yeah, how they can find the food banks or stuff like that, what they need, and because when you arrive here in the, like, the city like Glasgow, which is very big, also, <laughs> which is like very big and like uh, very beautiful in the other in the other hands, and uh, so I know it's very hard as it was for me and many people to find the things here. So we decided to just help them to have a settled life here and to point them to our church, to point them to Jesus. That's the key. <laughs> In other words, to influence them. Yeah, to influence them. My English is not that great. I'm just Towards trying to Christ. 
So this has come about because our churches are partnering together and we're learning about mission. And City Helps is a perfect example of moving toward a beautiful experience, providing sense of security, a community. Yeah, as you've been talking, yeah, that's exactly. I just want to take my shoes off right now. <laughs> Let your hair down. Yeah. <laughs> and the whole objective is to openly influence them to seek Jesus, to unhesitatingly, unbashedly say there's a deeper need of your soul. But it comes through prayer, doesn't it? So I want to actually invite you to pray with me, put out a hand towards Kameh as though you were touching him as I am. Mm-hmm. And we're going to pray, and I'm going to invite you to kneel. Kameh, in the upper room, we always have people kneel, and they're very happy to kneel boldly. This is bold spirituality. We're going to call upon God to use Kameh. He's got an amazing story of why he's here, what he's come through to be here. And now God is raising him up to lead a ministry. I'm just so blessed. We are the watchmen, O God, on the walls. These walls that are meant to beckon people with beauty to offer people shalom, peace, and security, and to boldly influence them to all that is good that comes from the hand of the Creator through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We pray for Kameh that you would use him in city helps. Help him find others now to join his team. And that this simple, humble ministry of just guiding refugees to how to use a library, how to use a bus, how to find a food bank, how to find others that speak their language. Invite them to Upper Room Church and to Parkhead Church and Charter and other churches that proclaim Jesus to influence them without hesitation that all of these needs are so important to you, but that the heart of it is the soul, the need of salvation through Jesus Christ. We pray that you would use Kama in that way. Thank you for him. We pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear God, I want to pray for my brother Kieran, who you've raised up in Glasgow City Council. I pray you'd also, you've given him a place of influence. He's our missionary in the political sphere. We say, Lord, bless Kieran. Use him to seek beauty for people's lives, to seek security, and to influence them to you. Amen. 
Now, as we conclude, all of this is coupled with what is already blatantly obvious in terms of the significance of the walls as clearly the most strategic spot, the most important position, the most vulnerable point of all. And does this not say something to us about the priority of roles in the kingdom of God that is introducing God's new social order, the new Jerusalem? For you see, the typical rationale would be to put the strongest men in the most strategic positions, the most talented men and women in the most important roles, the most charismatic leaders in the limelight. But I love the Lord God who turns all of that on its head as we've studied here in Isaiah 62, verse 6. I have appointed watchmen, those committed to prayer on the walls, the most important place of all, place of prayer on the wall. Why? so that the message might be made absolutely clear, dear sisters and brothers, men and women, boys and girls, that our power is not in shrewd tactics, it's not in great talent, not in high levels of education, nor in great might, nor marketing savvy, or programming skill, or money, or buildings, or land, simply that we believe in the power of prayer. We call upon the Lord, we remind him we bother the Lord. We boldly come to say, God, do what you promise through this wonderful gift and amazing medium that we call prayer. And so right now, tonight, this morning, I want to invite you to boldly be spiritual, exercise spiritual boldness. Don't be bashful. Don't be shy. Be bold with God by coming here to the front. And I invite you to call on the Lord that beauty might replace ugliness in your life and in our communities around us. To ask God for security, to replace any sense of insecurity, to keep, make for a deep sense of safety for you, Shalom rather than foreboding or fearful apprehension. Call upon the Lord for that security you need. And above all, let's pray that God will allow us real and lasting influence as we do good works of every sort and point people to the source of all beauty and security, Jesus. Will you come forward as we pray? Will you be a watchman on the wall as we sing this last song? I invite you, come, pray, be bold. Amen.